Glory to God. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. Praise the name of the Lord. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Are you there? Acts 26. And I'm heading to verse 18. Paul was sharing his testimony with King Agrippa. And um, he was talking about how when Jesus met him on the road to Damascus and, um, and he was born again. So Acts chapter 26, reading from verse 15. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, to deliver thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. I send thee. Unto whom now I send thee. What for? To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. And to turn them from the power of Satan unto God. And that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance. That they might receive forgiveness of sins and they might receive inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. That he might receive forgiveness of sin by faith. That he might receive inheritance by the faith that is in me. Now, this morning I'm going to be teaching on this subject. Possess your inheritance. Say that with me. Possess your inheritance. Now, you notice here it says, Paul says, When I was called of God and I was sent, here was part of my assignment. To open up the eyes of the people and help them to receive what? The forgiveness of sins and inheritance. Sometimes as believers, we have an attitude towards various aspects of our redemption as if we have to, as if we are in a as if it's a pick and choose thing. And that here is here is salvation being born again over here. Here is forgiveness of sin. Here is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Here is healing over here. Here is prosperity over here. Here is deliverance over there. And we come as if we are at, a, um, at what is those, not the all you can eat, but those things where you pick and choose as, as a buffet. He said, all right, I'm going to have some salvation. I got to have that. All right? Forgiveness of sins, I want that. That healing stuff, I don't know. Maybe that has passed away. And as for that tongue business and baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, that is for those strength. That, I don't want that. And then prosperity, oh no, that is of the devil. And, and so we pick and choose. But in reality, here is the deal. What Jesus paid for that you can have, everything that he paid for belongs to every child of God. And we are not to be picking and choosing. It's like here is the pie and there are various slices of the pie. There is a salvation slice, a born again slice, a forgiveness slice, a healing slice, a baptism of the Holy Ghost slice, a prosperity slice. A deliverance slice, but the whole pie is yours. Say, I want the whole pie. Amen? Now here it says, in the same context, that you might receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance. In other words, he said both in the same breath. In other words, then, like, what's the difference? What is the difference? Jesus one time said, what is, what is, which is order? To say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or take them thy bed and walk. Well, in the same way, he say, look, forgiveness of sins and inheritance. 
They, they are both on the same plane. Amen? God wants, as much as God wants you to have forgiveness in your life, he, in the same measure, he wants you to have your inheritance. And the same degree to which you want to walk in, in, in forgiveness and receive your forgiveness to the same degree you ought to want to receive and walk and manifest your inheritance. Amen? There's a little adjustment we need to make there. Say, my inheritance. You see, everything that Jesus paid for you to have, God wants you to have it. Amen? All right. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Hallelujah. Let me pick it up in verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy had begotten us again to a lively hope. You were born again to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible undefiled, that faded not away, that is reserved in heaven for you. And when it says reserved in heaven for you, it is not talking about in the planet heaven. It's talking about in that realm, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, in that realm of the spirit. So you are born again to an inheritance, an incorruptible, undefiled inheritance that is imperishable, that is unfading. Say I'm born again. To an inheritance. Now concerning that inheritance, Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 17 that the eyes of your understanding would be open. And then in verse 18, he prayed that you and I, that you would know what is the riches, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That you would know just what is the, the majesty, the excellence, the, the extent, the, how unfathomable, how rich, is this inheritance in the saints. And then he goes on to say, according, even according to the, his exceeding great power with which he raised up Christ from the dead. When you break it down, he is saying that your eyes would be opened, that God would reveal unto us what are the riches of this glorious inheritance that belong to us, which even includes the exceeding great power that was demonstrated when Jesus was raised up from the dead. He's saying the resurrection power, the power of the Holy Ghost that raised up Jesus from the dead is all part of that inheritance. Amen? Now that inheritance is absolutely extensive. That inheritance, quite frankly, includes everything that you are born again to. Everything that is yours because of the new birth and the sacrifice of Christ. Say amen. amen. Now, we, want, we need to get a grasp of what are the length and the breadth and the depth and the height of, of what this inheritance is, how we are to possess it, how we are to manifest it. Hebrews chapter 2, just so we can, we got to get a grasp of this stuff. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm just going to cool down here a little. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 2, watch this here now. Read it from verse 5. But unto the angels had he not put in subjection the world to come. The world to come. The world to come. Unto the angels he didn't put in subjection the world to come. Now don't forget, this inheritance is infinite and awesome and immeasurable. And it is far reaching in so many areas that in Ephesians it even says, it includes that power that raised Jesus from the dead. So God had placed even the world to come in subjection, not to the angels, but one in a certain place testifies, saying, what is man? That you are mindful of him and the son of man, that you would visit him. You placed the world to come in subjection to him. You made him a little lower than yourself, a little lower than angels, and you crowned him. You crowned him with what? With glory and with honor. And you set him 
Not only over the subject to the word, the words to come subject to him, but you set him over the works of your hands. How great is that? And you put all in subjection. All, say all. all. In subjection under his feet. But in that you put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But we see, but we see not yet all put under him. In other words, here is man, and God has put in subjection the world to come. God has put the works of his hands in subjection to him, set him over them. God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when you look around and you look at man, it doesn't look that way. You look at yourself, you don't see that everything is subject to you. You don't see that. So, so the Spirit of God says, let me help you. Oh, you need to see this. But looking at yourself and looking around you, you don't see it. So here, look. Let's see Jesus. Let's look at Jesus. Let us see Jesus. Can we see everything subject to him? Can we see the world to come subject to him? Amen? Can you see him over all the works of God's hands? Well, let us see Jesus. Because as he is, so are we in this world. And you and I are heirs together with Christ. We are joint heirs with Christ. And we are heirs with God. Heirs of God. So it goes on to say, we see Jesus made a little Lord in the angels, suffering death for, um, for the suffering of death. He crung, we see him crowned with glory and honor. And he by the grace of God shall taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. But watch this. He that sanctifieth, which is Jesus, and they who are sanctified, which is us, are all one. They are all one. As we get a revelation of this inheritance that belongs to us, it is connected up to the fact that we are one. So Jesus, whatever Jesus is an heir to, we are a joint heir with him. And out of that oneness, everything that belongs to him belongs to us. That is why Jesus says when the Holy Spirit has come, he will take what's mine and he will reveal it unto you. Everything that the Father has, Jesus says is mine, and the Holy Spirit will take what's mine and reveal it unto you because it is now yours. He that sanctified and they that sanctified are one. It says in 1 John 3 verse 1 and 2, um, it says, Behold what manner of love that you and I might be called the sons of God. It doesn't yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Romans chapter 8 from about verse 15 says, God has not given us a spirit of bondage again to fear, but he's given us a spirit of adoption, whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. Amen? And his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And he has made us, and that we are children of God, we are heirs of God, and we are joint heirs with Christ. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Now are we the sons of God. And we are an heir to everything that Jesus, that belongs to Jesus. Everything that was given to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1, which is just a few verses down, says consider him. Because you see, when you look at yourself, it's hard to grasp how infinite and how awesome this inheritance is. Well, look at Jesus. Consider him. And as you consider him, and you see him, the Bible even says that you want to know who, what you look like on the inside. Behold, as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. And you're going to be changed from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. You want to know what you have? You want to know the inheritance? Consider Jesus. Amen? Because as he is, so are we in this world. Say, consider Jesus. All right? We're right here in Hebrews, so let's consider him. Hebrews chapter 1. Read it from verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spoken us in times past to the fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, God has spoken unto us by his Son, Jesus, whom he has appointed heir of all. Jesus has been appointed by the Father as heir of all, and by whom also he made the world. Jesus, being the very brightness of the glory of the Father, 
the very express image of him, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged us from our sins, Jesus sat down on the right hand of the majesty and high, being made so much better than the angels, as he had by inheritance, say by inheritance, by inheritance, he obtained a more excellent name than they. Heir of all things, by inheritance obtained a name that is so excellent, for unto which of the angels had God said at any time, you are my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Now the reason for this again is because you see when Jesus became sin on the cross, and remember when he said, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? He was separated from the Father. But not only was he separated, when he became sin, he took that same nature. That's not the nature of God, is it? Amen? And because he took that same nature, how was he ever going to get back into that place of holiness? He himself had to become born again. He stopped being the son of God, and so he became the son of God again. So he says, again, I will be to him a father, and again, he shall be to me a son. And when he bring it in the first begotten into the world, he said, let all the angels of God, when he brought Jesus into the world, when Jesus got born again, he says, let all of the angels of God worship him. Well, let me ask you something. Doesn't the Bible, doesn't it, the Ten Commandments says, thou shalt have no other God? but me, and you shall worship no other God? Doesn't it say that? Well, why would God say to the angels, his own angels, to worship Jesus? The reason he could do that is because Jesus was God. So that man, Christ Jesus, that died, that became sin, that was separated, but was not born again, and was not raised up, and was no, he was now made God, so there is a man that is God in the Godhead. And Jesus and God made him heir of all things and gave him by inheritance a more excellent name. We see Jesus. Because when you see Jesus, then you can also see what you are an heir to. There's a reason why we have asked why his name belongs to us, that most excellent name. Because we are a joint heir. The Bible says in another place in, in Romans chapter 5, 9 and verse 5, that Jesus is forever blessed. Well, if Jesus is forever blessed and you are joint heir with him, then you are forever blessed. I'm trying for us to get this mind of Christ within us and to think this way. So unto the Son, he said, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Unto the Son, he said, Thy throne, O God. God the Father said to the Son, Jesus, your throne, O oh God. God called Jesus God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have loved righteousness and hated iniquity before. Therefore God, even your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above all thy fellows. All things belong to Jesus. Everything belongs to Jesus. Can you see that? He has all power. He has all authority in heaven and in earth. He is forever blessed. When you are joined here, to all power, to all authority, to everything that, that belongs to Jesus. That is why when you go back to Ephesians, he says not only that you would see what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, but he goes on to say that even including the exceeding great power that was demonstrated when he raised Jesus from the dead. Say, so I'm an heir to it all. So you are heir to all of it. Jesus, everything belongs to him and you are an heir to all of it. Is it because of what you did? No, but because of what he did. You know what that's called? Grace. That's grace, is it not? It's grace that can give you such tremendous abundance of power and authority and everything else because it's going to include every spiritual blessing. He's going to daily load you with benefits. It's going to include redemption from, the, from every curse. It's going to include prosperity. It's all of that. But how come all of this is yours? How come this is mine? It is by grace. It's done by grace. But you see, the Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 17, the law was given by Moses. But grace came out through Jesus Christ. Amen? What a great salvation. 
Now the Bible says, it goes on to say Hebrews chapter 2, um, verse 1 to 3. It says, look, when you recognize these dimensions, when you recognize this excellence, when you recognize the, the how, how, how manifold, how rich, how abundant is this great salvation and redemption. It says, take heed and don't let these truths slip from you. Because how are you going to escape if you neglect this great and awesome salvation that has been brought to you? Are you with me? So this is great. All right. So we, we cannot, we must not be negligent. We got to get a hold of this. We got to be diligent about it and we got to possess it. Now, let's, let's begin to look a little further as to what is involved with this inheritance. First of all, let me say this. The Bible says in, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse, and verse 11, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11, it says, In whom also you have obtained an inheritance. Say, I already got it. Already got Remember, it. you were born again to that inheritance. You have already obtained that inheritance that was predestined according to the purpose of God from before the foundation of the world. <coughs> Amen? Now in Galatians, I want you to know, you've got to know I got it. Say, I got it. You have to know you got it. You see, healing becomes relatively easy when you recognize that you got all the healing you could ever need in your spirit and it's just a matter of drawing it out. Are you with me? Amen. But it's the same thing with this inheritance is concerned. Galatians chapter 4 from verse 1 says, I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, now, he differs not from a servant, even though he's Lord of all. Let me ask you something. If the heir is a child, and he's just a brand new Christian or a little baby, is he still an heir? Is he still an heir? He might not know what belongs to him, but is he still an heir? Well, so it says, an heir, even though he's a child and he doesn't grasp all this stuff, and in many ways he's still like a servant, having to have babysitters and tutors and governors, but he is Lord of all. Say Lord of all. This is in the Bible. This is Galatians 4 verse 1. He's under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God had sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Wherefore, you are no more a servant, but you are a son. Say, I'm a son of God. And if I'm a son, then you are also an heir of God through Christ. Say, I'm an heir. Amen. The inheritance is mine. All of it is mine. Now, what does that in inheritance include? Everything. Say, everything. everything. It even includes, you know, the Bible says in 1 23, verse 21 and verse 22, you can look it up, but it says, all things are yours. It even says, the future is yours. Think about that. Say the future is mine. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. All things are yours. All things are yours. You know, there's a, there, is, it, I know, is it a song or is it a Christian song? All things nice and beautiful. All creatures made of God. Anybody know that song? All things nice. But all things nice and beautiful. Amen. All things that pertain, 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Psalms 84 verse 11 says, There is no good thing that he will withhold from them that walk uprightly. Mm -hmm. And not all the places says, He daily loads us with benefits. Say, all good things. Amen. Would that include health? Yes. Would that include wealth? Yes. Would that include authority? Yes. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Why is it in heavenly places? Because it's the inheritance. You are born again to an inheritance, incorruptible, undefined, reserved where? In that heavenly place, in that arena, in that realm. Now what we got to do is draw it out of that realm and cause it to be made manifested here. Amen? Now, the Holy Spirit of God is the confirming witness 
to the fact that you've got this inheritance. Hebrews 10 verse 15 talks about that. He is a witness. And the mere fact that you've got a Holy Ghost means that that inheritance truly is yours. In another place in Ephesians 1 verse 14, it says that the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of promise, mm, the Holy Spirit, he is the down payment or the guarantor, the guarantee of the inheritance. You know, if you buy a piece of property or you buy your, you, you know, you, you, you bought some, some particular item and then you, and you put a down payment on it. Amen? You don't pay all of it, but you put a down payment on it. What are you saying? You're saying, I'm going to come and pay the rest later. Isn't that right? But you're saying there's more coming. Well, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in Ephesians 1 verse 14 and a few other places, He is the guarantee. He is the down payment. But he's also the guarantee that more is coming. Say more is coming. He's the guarantee of what? The inheritance. Say the inheritance. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me show you something briefly. Matter of fact, let's, 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 yeah, let's pick up here. Romans chapter 4. Let's, let's briefly. Ha, ha, ha. Praise the name of the Lord. Maybe I could come, come about it this way. You need to know not only that the inheritance belongs to you and that you already have it in your spirit, but you also need to know that it is God's will for that inheritance to be made manifest. Amen? If you don't know that, it, that okay, you know you got it, but you don't know it is the will of God for it to be made manifest, you won't be able to operate in confidence. And the Bible says, we know that whatsoever we ask, this is the confidence that we have. That whatever we ask according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, then we know that we have those petitions that we desire of Him. 1 John, John 5, 14 and 15. So we need to have that confidence that it is the will of God. Alright, watch this here. Romans chapter 4 and verse 13, talking about Abraham. It says the promise that he, Abraham, should have been an heir of the word. Heir of the word. Was not to Abraham or to his seed through law. It was not based on Abraham's good merits and behavior and conduct and works. It was not through the law, but it was through the righteousness of faith. Amen? It is through this oneness that he can operate in because of faith, because of confidence in the sacrifice. Now, if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Now, what is very interesting here is we're talking about a promise, and we said the promise that he should be what? Heir. Promise that he should be what? Heir. If you're talking heir, you're also talking inheritance. Are you with me? The promise that he should be heir which means connected with inheritance, it was not by the law that he was an heir, but it was by promise. It was by promise. Here is the point here. Matter of fact, hold that thought. Say promise. promise. All right. Um, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1 for a moment. I can just blurb this out, but let me just... Um, all right. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says... In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, after you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of the inheritance. This Holy Spirit of promise is the down payment and the guarantee of the inheritance. What I want to say to you is this. The very, you know, many times we talk about the promise of the Spirit, the promise of the Spirit. And sometimes, sometimes when we think the promise of the Spirit, we think, uh, we think in terms of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised. And that's fine too. But the promise of the Spirit is actually the inheritance. The promise of the Spirit is actually the inheritance. Galatians chapter 3. Now why would God... In other words, then the mere fact that God would give you the Holy Spirit, which is the promise of the inheritance in and of itself, 
means that God wants you to have this inheritance and have it manifested. Why would you make a promise to someone if you have no desire to fulfill it? You follow me? You follow me? All right. Galatians chapter 3, verse... Well, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 18. If the inheritance be of the law, it is no more a promise. Let me skip that one. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. Christ had redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for curses is everyone that hanging on the tree. Why did he redeem us from the curse of the law? That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. The blessing of Abraham. The blessing of Abraham. Abraham who was heir of the world. That that blessing might come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we should receive. Now instead of just saying the blessing or instead of him saying that we should receive this same inheritance, it says that we should receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. What is the point? The promise of the Spirit is the inheritance. So the mere fact that the, that, that the very promise of the Spirit is the inheritance, that in and of itself says that the will of God is for you to have the inheritance, and as you cooperate with Him, then He will cause that inheritance to be made manifest. Part of the very ministry of the Holy Spirit was to come and to lead us and to guide us into what? All truth. Take the things that are Christ and reveal them unto us. John 16 verse 14 and, and in that area. Why? Because they belong to us and the Holy Spirit says, come here, let me escort you. Let me show you how this works. I'm going to bring you into your inheritance. The Bible says in Isaiah 48 verse 17 that he will teach you to profit. And he will lead you in the way in which thou shouldest go. Amen? Hallelujah. So it is the will of God for you to possess your inheritance. Let me just give you a couple of reasons there to just to prove that point. That was one. The fact that it's the promise of the Spirit and God keeps his promises. God doesn't make a promise that he doesn't have a desire to fulfill. Amen? That's number one. Number two. Jesus said in John 16 verse 13, when the Holy Spirit has come, he says, I will send him. He will not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. And he will take the thing. And then Jesus said this, he will glorify me. He's going to glorify me, Jesus. How is he going to do that? He's going to take what belongs to me and he's going to show it to you. In other words, then, when you prosper, when you manifest the inheritance, when you manifest divine healing, divine health, God is glorified. Does it not say that he might be glorified in our spirit and our body? Our body is the temple of the living God, that he might be glorified? When you walk in health, when you walk in prosperity, when you walk in freedom, when you walk in liberty, when you, walk, when you manifest the inheritance, he is glorified. Amen? It is the will of God that you possess inheritance. Third John 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you might what? Prosper. And what? Be in health even as your soul prosper. That's the will of God that you manifest that inheritance. It's why he sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not only sent to lead us into the inheritance, to be the witness to that inheritance, to be the guarantor of that inheritance, to be the down payment of that inheritance. But the Holy Spirit is also the very anointing of God that is within us to break yokes and remove burdens. What yoke? The yoke of poverty. The yoke of lack. The yoke that says somehow I'm not qualified. Amen? One of the things the Holy, does, Holy Spirit does is to convince you that you are righteous. Do you know that? The Holy Spirit wants you to, he has an assignment to convince you you are righteous and you've got rights. You can operate in oneness with God and that you've got authority. He wants you to function that way. Hallelujah. Break the yokes. Remove the burdens. Perfect that which concerns you. Come on, if I'm walking in divine health, if I'm having freedom and liberty and no bond and I don't have the oppression and depression, but in the meantime, I have such severe financial lack and oppression in that financial arena. Would you say that I'm perfected? No. But the Holy Spirit, Psalms 138 verse 8 says that he perfects all that concerns me. 
Does that include the financial arena? Does that include my health? Does that include my sanity? Of course. Amen? So again, why is, he, why is he working within me both to will and to do God's good pleasure? Because possessing this inheritance is the will of God for you. Hallelujah. Now God has set within the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. What for? For the building up of the saints. Why? So that they might mature. What, what exactly does that mean? Colossians 1.25 says, that they would be able to... Up, let me quote it correctly. Hallelujah. Colossians 1.25 says, Wherefore, apostles are made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. I have a responsibility, and every fivefold minister have a responsibility to help you to get fulfillment to the promises of God and for the word of God to be fulfilled in your life. Isn't that right? Isn't that in Joshua chapter 1 verse 6? When, when after Moses died, Jesus said, God said to Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. And then he told Joshua, you be strong and you be very courageous. Why? Because he had to take these people across the Jordan and divide unto them the inheritance. Amen? It is not just to get people to jump up and run around. And it's not just, uh, yes, it is to minister healing. And it is, but it is to help you to get your inheritance. Why then would God anoint people and release the Holy Spirit? What for? To, for you to possess your inheritance. Say, it is God's will that I prosper and I have and manifest all of my inheritance in the name of Jesus. No. You say, but I'm not good enough. I mean, look at the things I've done. Look at my background. I'm not educated enough. I, born, I was born on the wrong side of the track. I've got the wrong color skin. No, 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 no. The Bible says in Colossians 1 verse 12 that he has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance in the saints. That means the word meet means he has qualified you and I. You are qualified by the sacrifice of Christ, by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus, for the inheritance. So if you start making excuses, oh no, and to, try to, to, to disqualify yourself, or let somebody else disqualify you, God will say, cut it out. You are qualified because of the blood that my son shed. So you've got no right to disqualify, for you to disqualify yourself from the inheritance, it's for you to disannul or disregard or disrespect the blood of Christ. Would you want to do that? No. Well, say I'm qualified for all of the inheritance. Amen. Hallelujah. He's qualified you. Jesus redeemed you from the curse of the law that the blessings might be yours. Second Corinthians 8 verse 9 says, He became poor that you through his poverty might be made rich. Proverbs 10 22 says, the blessing of the Lord, it make it rich, and it add no sorrow with it. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 says, Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for he it is that gives you power to get wealth, so that he might establish his covenant in the earth. Now, it might not, no, no, when we start, when we talk about one of the keys, I'll tell you one of them right now. When it comes to the issue of prosperity, one of the keys to receiving the prosperity is the issue of purpose, is the issue of motive. In other words, my, I must not desire prosperity just so that I can have bigger barns. But why? Deuteronomy 8, 18 says, he's given us the power to get wealth so that his covenant shall be established in, his, in the earth, so that his house might be filled. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, the Bible says they spoiled the Egyptians. Remember that? And they went in and they took the silver and the gold and the fancy garments off of the Egyptians. And they went out into the desert with a whole lot of silver and gold. But because they did not understand the purpose for that silver and gold, you know what happened? They ended up building a golden calf. When in fact the purpose for that silver and gold was to build the tabernacle, the sanctuary of the Lord. Amen? Exodus 25 verse 8. Well, similarly, God wants us to prosper. But what for? So that this gospel could go to the ends of the earth. So that we can help other people. So that we can build a permanent 
habitation and, and, and sanctuary for God made up of people that are born again. Living stones. So there is a purpose of prosperity and that is important. Amen? Hallelujah. And that's one of the keys when it comes to, well, how do we do this? How do we receive our prosperity? Because it's one thing, it's one thing for us to have all of this inheritance in the inside, but it's another thing for us to possess it. It's another thing for us to manifest it. It's one thing for you to have some rich uncle that leaves millions of dollars for you in some particular bank account. That's wonderful and it's yours. But you need to find out where that account is and you need to know how to make withdrawals. Isn't that right? So the fact that you've got all of this on the inside is great. But how do I make the withdrawals? How do I receive it? How do I manifest it? Because it belongs to every child of God. Every child of God has been qualified by the blood and by the sacrifice of Christ. How do we receive this inheritance? Wouldn't you like to know? Yes. All right? Now, let me just say this. The one number one major key is faith. Back in, YouTube, back in Acts 26, verse 18, which we looked at earlier, where Paul says that when God called him, and he sent him to turn the gent to, to, to open the eyes of the Gentiles and to help them to what? To receive forgiveness and their inheritance by faith. How do you receive it? By faith. By faith. You receive it by faith. In fact, here's a wonderful verse of scripture. Revelation 21, verse 7. Says, He that overcometh shall inherit all. In other words, he that overcometh shall inherit all. Well, what's the key to overcoming? 1 John 5, 4 says, This is the victory that overcometh, even our faith. So faith can cause you to overcome. Faith is the means by which you possess your inheritance. I'm going to talk about several different things in a little while. But at the end of the day, faith is the major key. Yeah. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And faith is confidence. In the sacrifice of Christ. Faith is confident in what Jesus has done. His death, burial, resurrection, ascension, his shed blood, his name that is given to us, the promises that are ours, and his life in us. But since faith is the key, if I have to stop right now, I would say faith is the key, but then what does faith look like? Faith has to believe right. It has to believe the truth. It has to believe the word. It has to be believe what Jesus has finished. And faith must speak accordingly. It must speak the truth. The Bible says in Titus 1 verse 3, God says I will manifest my word through preaching. Which means what? I'm going to cause you to experience whatever that word say as you preach it, as you speak it, as you say it. Hence saying is important. Faith is our responsibility. The right response to God's ability. The right response to what God has done. The right response to the truth. The right response to the sacrifice of Christ. So first and foremost, it is what? Faith. Say faith. Now let me give you some keys quickly. Number one. There is a devil out there. Did you know that? Yes. Right? And in fact, sometimes he even comes into the meeting. Do you know that? He can, do you know the devil showed up in the meeting even, even at the Last Supper? Jesus having the Last Supper with his disciples and the devil sitting there. There with Judah. So he shows up. But it doesn't matter because God says he prepared a table before us where? In the presence of our enemy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But now what I want you to understand, however, it is by faith that you possess your inheritance, but sometimes faith is a fight. The Bible says you got to fight the good fight of faith. 1 Timothy 6 verse 12. The Bible says in James chapter 1 verse 2 and 3, come to all joy when you, when you get underneath pressure. When, when, when things begin to come at you, come to all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that it is your faith that is on trial. So be persevering and let your patience have its perfect work that you might stay in faith and come to the point where you be where you're entire wanting nothing, nothing. And he says in order to overcome some of those attacks of the enemy, you better come to joy. Amen? 1 Peter 1 verse 7 says that you're the trial of your faith is more precious than silver and gold. Well, it is more precious. Because if your faith passes the test and you can use it correctly, you can overcome. And when you overcome, all of the inheritance is yours. Amen? 
Hallelujah. But it is a test. And the Bible says the devil goes about like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. But it says you resist him steadfast in the faith. See, the faith is a fight at times. Now, it's a fight in that sense, but also in another sense. I believe there are times where the devil is sitting on your stuff. Sitting on your prosperity. Sitting on your silver and gold. Sitting on your healing. Trying to keep stuff away from you. And what you got to do, you got to kick him off of it. You got to push him off. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 11 that the, from the days of Noah, is it Noah? For the days of John the Baptist, I think it is. <laughs> the kingdom of God suffers what? Violence. But you got to become more violent and take it by force. So you, sometimes you got to drive the devil off. You got to throw him out. You got to get him off your money. You got to get him off your finances. You got to get him out of your family. You got to bind him and command him. In the name of Jesus, I command you, loosen our finances in Jesus' name. Go, I said, in Jesus' name. I break your power. I break your power off of my body. I break your power off of my mind. I break your power off my family. You got to take authority over him. You got to let him know that you know what belongs to you. The Bible speaks and calls it in Ephesians 3 verse 10, revealing unto him, unto the devil, unto the principalities and powers, the wisdom of God, declaring you an heir, declaring he's defeated, declaring authority of the blood. Amen? Hallelujah. The Bible says God has given you, in Isaiah 45, verse 3, he's given you the treasures of darkness. That's the stuff the devil was sitting on. And the hidden riches of secret places. He's sitting on that stuff, but you got to get him off of it. So key number one, one of the keys in his function in faith and getting a holy inheritance is kick the devil out. Take authority over him. Take it by force. You see, faith is how faith, you know, the receiving of your inheritance the Bible says, believe you receive it and you shall what? Have it. But there's a receiving and there's a taking. There's a receiving that says, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. But then there's a taking that says, give me my stuff. Alright? There's a, there's a taking that says, look. There's a taking that is like a grabbing. Amen? You ever see a little child grab a toy from another child? Right? That is not thank you. So many you got to do that. <laughs> Amen? Number two, your inheritance is also in the hands of the wicked. The Bible says in James chapter 1 and verse 5, James chapter 5 verse 1 to 4, go back and read it. It speaks about, about, about the, the riches that, he, that the ungodly are kept, that they ought to have paid out. And the people who ought to, to have received it didn't get it. And the Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord looked and thought, that's not right. That's part of what happened in Egypt. Those people worked as slaves underneath, the, underneath Pharaoh for about 430 years or something like that. All right? What, were they paid fairly? No, they weren't paid fairly. Some people think, oh, it's wrong that when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they spoiled the Egyptians. No, it was not wrong. They had a lot of back pay. Are you with me? Amen? So, the enemy sometimes have your finances. In fact, regarding the children of Israel, Psalms 106 verse 37 says, God brought them out with joy, and he brought them out with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble among them. So that is, it, it is a righteous thing, God says, to recompense the just, to pay you back. Say, God is a God of recompense. Say, I want my payback. The Bible says when the thief is caught, he is to restore what? Sevenfold, Proverbs 6 and verse 31. Proverbs, um, Proverbs 13 verse 22 says, The treasure that a sinner has laid up has been laid up for who? For the righteous. The wealth they've been laid up has been laid up for, uh, for us. So I come to receive my stuff. Ecclesiastes 2.26 says, God has given to the man that is right and upright before him. God has given him joy and peace and strength and wisdom. But to the wicked, God has given him the job of toiling and sweating and gathering up all of that money, gathering up all of that stuff so he can give it to the person who is right before God. Amen? Amen. Say, I want my stuff. I want my stuff. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> right? It's your stuff. Let, look, let me show you how much, how God is with this stuff. Remember the prodigal son? 
Remember there were two boys? There was the older boy, but there was the younger boy. It wasn't time yet, but the younger boy says, Daddy, I want my stuff. I want my inheritance. I want to go and do something. Did he get it? I know he wasted it, but he did get it. <laughs> he got it. Say, I want my stuff. <laughs> Amen. Now, the Bible also says that God has given us angels, ministering spirits, sent forth to minister on behalf of those that are heirs of salvation. God has put angels. Angels are supposed to come and help you prosper. Well, I don't know whoever it was. I don't know if it's Isaac or Jacob or some one of them. Oh, well, that's right. When a servant was going to get a wife for one of the sons, and the Bible said the angel, um, that angels was going to go with him and make his way prosperous. Well, if that was under the old covenant, what about us? Yes. I got a new covenant. Angels supposed to come with me. Angels supposed to come, help open those doors, whisper stuff in my ears, whisper stuff in that employer's ear, whisper. The angels are here, ministering spirits, release them. They aren't yours, but you don't own the way. You don't own the waitresses in the restaurant, but you do call out what you need from the menu. This is your menu, and they go serve you. Psalms 103 and I believe verse 20 says they excel in strength and they hearken to the voice of his word. But you got to give voice to that word. So yes, there is kicking the devil off your stuff, taking your stuff back from the wicked, demanding it in the name of Jesus, claiming it, releasing the angels of God and letting them go forth. And the word, let me just say this, the word of God is, is also a master key. The Bible says in Acts chapter 20, verse 32, Paul says, Paul was going away. You know when you're going away, I am, I, especially if you're not going to see your kids again, you want to leave them with some good babysitters. Am I right? So as Paul was leaving, Paul said in Acts 20, verse 22, I commend you to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you your inheritance among the saints. The word of God is the power of God. And the word of God is the wisdom of God. The word of God is able to cause your inheritance to be delivered to you. To pull that inheritance out of your spirit. You meditate on the word. Joshua 1 verse 8 says, meditate upon the word. Day and night, keep it like front leg before your eyes. This book of the law shall not depart from your eyes. But you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to what is written therein. And then you will make your way prosperous and you're going to have good success. Why? Because the word of God is a vehicle of your prosperity. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 32 verse 47, it's not a vain thing. It is your life. Deuteronomy, um, Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, that word shall not return void, but it's going to accomplish that which is pleased. And it will prosper in the thing we want to descend. Luke 1 37 says, No word of God is void of power. No word of God lacks the ability to bring itself to pass. The word of God is your number one vehicle. Amen? But let me also say this it is the word of His grace. Grace is important. You do not believe for prosperity because of how hard you work, as important as diligence is. Diligence is. You do not believe because of, of what you deserve. It is of grace that it might be by faith. It is by grace, not by law. Galatians 3.18. Right? Abraham didn't get the... It was by promise, not by law. Amen? And because it is by grace, therefore it's got to be by faith. It is of faith that it might be by grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. To all the seed. To all the seed. Romans chapter 4 and verse 16. Now, if we, again, if we're talking it is by grace, then it also has to be on the basis of righteousness. Because Romans chapter 5, 21 says, As sin has reigned unto death, even so grace reigns. How? Through righteousness. Unto what? Eternal life. Grace reigns through righteousness unto eternal life. That's the God kind of life. The God kind of life is healthy, wealthy, and wise. Amen. Praise the Lord. So it is by faith. It is by grace. Therefore, it has to be by faith. And it has to be by righteousness. So you must have this comprehension that I'm one with God. 
He that sanctified and they that are sanctified are one. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. The authority of Christ belongs to me. I'm a joint heir with Christ. You have to have that comprehension because that's the very channel through which the inheritance flows. Hallelujah. Now what about sowing and reaping? It says in, um, it says in Colossians 3 verse 24, whatever you do, do it from your heart to the Lord, not as unto man. Because from the Lord, you receive the reward of the inheritance. So here is this inheritance is yours. But then when you learn to give, and when you give it from your heart, what happens? It releases the inheritance into your life. How, do you, how does that work? Well, the Bible says in Luke 6 verse 38, it will um, give and it shall be what? Given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Right? With the same measure with which you give, it's going to be given back to you. Say measure. And if your measure is sparingly, comes back how? Sparingly. If your measure is bountifully, comes back bountifully. But let every man give how? According as his purpose in his heart. Cheerfully, not with a grieved heart, willingly. In other words, give right. Give in faith. Give with a give, 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 and the measure with which you give that governs the receiving. If in your serving, if this is the size of your scoop, and you say, Okay, Lord, I'm gonna give you, I'm giving, and this is the size scoop you use to measure. I mean, here is all the gold dust, gold dust, gold thing. And you, this is your scoop here, here, God, and the offering plate come around here. But then when God comes to serve you back, <laughs> are you with me? But how about if you got a big bucket? Amen? The way you measure is going to be measured back to you. But you do so in faith. You do so knowing that it's given back to you. Knowing it may leave your hands, but it's not going to leave your life. You cast your bread in the water, and it comes back to you after many days. Isaiah 32 verse 8, the liberal soul shall be made fat. Amen? So there is that willing mind. There is that giving from your heart. And there is the honoring of the Lord. Honoring of the Lord. Not giving him a blind sacrifice. Not having a nice sheep in there that is nice and, I mean, fluffy. You know fluffy? Yeah. Right? But then what? Instead of giving him fluffy, you want to give him this, this one-legged sheep with one blind eye. No. <laughs> Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits. Of all that increase. Give unto the Lord the glory that is due unto his name. Come before him with an offering and with a sacrifice. Amen. It is part of our priesthood. Our holy priesthood. Offering up sacrifices unto him. What does that do? That is part of the, that's one of the keys of releasing the inheritance. And then there's obedience. Isaiah 1 verse 9 he says. If you be willing, well, be dealt with the willing, but not only that, obedience. Because you see, at the end of the day, this is what the faith is going to come down to. You got to believe right, you got to talk right, and then you got to act right. But where does the action come from? Obeying the Holy Ghost. Sometimes all the action needs is thanksgiving. But sometimes the action is, go dip seven times in that water. Sometimes the action is, sell everything you have and give to the poor. Sometimes the action is, that tide. That sometimes the action is obey the Holy Ghost. True obedience of the sanctification of the Spirit and obedience and the sprinkling of the blood. Hallelujah. Obey the word. Obey the blood and the sacrifice of Christ and obey the Holy Ghost. That's how faith works. And that is, that is connected up to the inheritance. Obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost said, no, that's not, I rebuke that. No, that might be God. <laughs> Amen. And then it's your purpose. We mentioned that. And then the issue of diligence. The Bible says, "Be diligent to make your calling and election sure." It says, "You will reap if you faint not." It says in Galatians chapter six, verse nine and ten. To, um, it says in Galatians chapter six, verse nine and ten, "Do not be weary in well doing, for in due time you will reap if you faint not." Don't get tired. I did this. I did this. Oh, do it again. Amen. In the morning, sow thy seed. In the evening, withhold not your hand, because you don't know which will prosper, whether this or that, or whether both shall bring forth a like good.
got to sometimes even take it by force. You got to get the devil out of the way. You got to take it away from people, not directly, but indirectly by faith. You got to release the angels. You got to meditate on the word. It is by grace. It is not law. It's not works. It is based on righteousness that you're one with him. And then there's the principles concerning sowing and reaping and obeying the word and obeying the sacrifice and obeying the Holy Ghost and operating with a pure heart. Operating with purpose. Not to consume it upon your own lust. Some of say, oh, I don't need all that money. Hey, the church needs it. I don't need all of that. Well, it's somebody else that needs it. Prosper is not for yourself, but for somebody else. Amen? Think about it. Say hallelujah. Amen. Say, I want my stuff. For the glory of God. <laughs> that he might be glorified. I receive my inheritance. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. You receive that? You receive it? Amen. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, couldn't be a better place to receive an offering. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Let's, let's just get ready to bless the Lord in our giving. And um, I'm just going to simply say, honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. And you know, let me just say this, Christmas is coming. Unfortunately, within the body of Christ, there are certain things that tend to happen. 